Scripture reading comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving through instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostle he had chosen, after his sufferings, he showed himself to these men and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. And will you join me in prayer? Lord God, we pour out our praise to you, for you alone are worthy of praise. You have called us, you have redeemed us. You continue to work in us, making us holy, that we might be a blessing to others. We pray, Lord, that your word would, would encourage and motivate us to be witnesses of the fact that you have called us in this way, that your words would, in fact, be a blessing to others through us, that we would share your loves that others might know. We pray now in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Maybe you guys are a little awake now, maybe still a little asleep, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of ask you to do something a little different today. We're going to be talking about eyewitnesses, um, and, and we, uh, we kind of thrive on eyewitness reports. In fact, um, if you look at this, can you turn that for me? Give me, there you go. All right, thank you. This, uh, I, I had to laugh, I was looking for eyewitness news, just a little, you know, image for it. This is the image that I found in the thing that cracked me up, how many times does it say eyewitness news in that one photo, right? Now that it doesn't even say what channel it is, right? But it's just like they want you to make, they want to make sure you know that this news is eyewitness news, right? That they have seen it and therefore they are telling you. Well, we do kind of work that way, right? We, we do tell best those things that we've seen and experienced. So what I want you to do right now is uh, I'm going to give you two minutes to do this, all right? I want you to tell somebody who's near you something cool that you have seen, all right? It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a good thing. Just something cool that you've seen and you've experienced before you do it. And so you're going, I, I'm, you've seen cool stuff. Don't act like you haven't. And I'm giving you two minutes because you're going you're gonna to say it. You've got one minute, then I'm going to ask you to let the other person speak, all right? And if you're cognizant, if there's a single person sitting around you somewhere, you can gra- grab them and make that a group of three, all right? Ready? All right, go. Tell what you've seen. All right, switch to the other person, give the other person a chance.
right? Hopefully you had a chance to share at least some of that, right? And that, it was pretty easy for you, right? Once you decided something in your mind that you're going to share, it was pretty easy for you because you lived it, right? You experienced it. And, and really, if you thought of something that was cool in your mind, you wanted, you wanted to share it. That, that's kind of what the disciples did, right? That, that's really what the disciples' life was all about. And that call for them to be witnesses, to go and proclaim, to go and declare, to go and speak, to give testimony, whatever word you want to use, to everything that they had seen, was a matter of simply telling what they saw. Telling what they saw. And remember what the disciples saw. We have just a little bit of an outline of it here in Acts chapter 1. A little bit of an outline of all the things that they saw Jesus do. Right? They walked with Jesus throughout throughout those basically three years. And sometimes we limit this just to the apostles, right, to those who were the closest ones, right? Apostle means sent one. They were the ones whom Jesus sent out. But there were also other disciples that were around Jesus. So you remember, it wasn't just the 12, but there were at any given time, there were men and women in that group, 30 people, 50 people. In fact, if you read about the post-resurrection, you find that Jesus appeared to a group of over 500 at the same time. But whatever it was, I want you to remember that group of people, they got to experience, out of all of the billions of people who have lived on the planet, they got to experience life with Jesus. They got to experience it when Jesus was ministering and the miracles that he performed. They got to ask him questions later on about what had happened and the ways that Jesus saw the world. They were there as Jesus was, was teaching crowds of people. They were there when Jesus was arguing with his opponents they saw it all. They saw the, the wonderful and terrible day of the cross. They witnessed it firsthand. They were there the glorious day of the resurrection. They saw him with their own eyes. In the midst of all of the confusion of that first Easter, they touched him. In fact, we know about the week, remember we've been going through this, the week after when they were all together again, and this time Thomas was there in their midst. They, they touched Jesus. They felt his wounds. They were there throughout these resurrection appearances when he gave convincing proofs that he was alive. They experienced all of these things, and they experienced all of them firsthand. And now they were being told that they would go testify to these things. That they would go and speak to others about all the things that they had seen. That they would tell what they had saw. But not just yet. Right? Still they're being told to wait. To wait here in Jerusalem. Wait until the moment. You'll know when the moment is. When you're clothed with power from on high. When the Holy Spirit will fill you. That's going to be next week in Pentecost. Stay here until that time. But before then, they had one more event to witness. It was the event that we call the ascension, right? The ascension is Jesus ascends in their midst as Jesus goes and departs from them and is then hidden from them by a cloud. And I'll, I'll tell you, again, in each of these things in the life of Jesus, and they got to experience it, it's so far from my realm, it's so far from what I've seen and what I know that I almost can't fathom it, right? I, maybe I'm alone in this, but I have never seen someone bodily ascend, Right? I've never seen, like I'm standing here talking to you, and all of a sudden you just start taking off into the clouds. I'd probably be pretty blown away by that. Right? I'm not alone. You guys are with me? Maybe you guys see people ascend all the time? No? Okay, good. All right. Because I don't. And this is what they experienced. And so as they kind of marvel at Jesus ascending, they're staring up into the sky, and then it says that he's hidden from their sight by a cloud. And again, that's one of those puzzling sentences of the Bible. Every time I read it, I, like my, 
my mind just like goes to like, he's in the middle of a cloud. Like what kind of a cloud is this? Is it a lightning cloud? Like is it like one of those moments where he goes in the clouds like, and there's lightning and they're like, yeah, there goes Jesus. It's like one of those big puffy cumulonimbus clouds, like this huge, and it just like disappears. The cloud keeps reshaping. Well, I picked this painting for a reason, this, this Renaissance painting. And this Renaissance painting is Jesus ascends, and I know it's hard to see just because of, of the way that the image is situated, but if you look closely at the cloud, which you see the top half of the cloud, you begin to see the great cloud of witnesses. You begin to see those saints who have preceded us. They're the cloud. And you begin to see that Jesus isn't just ascending into a cloud as some kind of a magic trick, but instead is ascending to the paradise of God, which he has prepared. He's going back to the throne room where he rightfully belongs. He's going there to present to his father all the work that he has done. And what hides him from their sight is a cloud. That cloud is made of is the cloud of witnesses that we read about in Hebrews chapter 13. And the reason that I love that image so much is because the angel says to them, this same Jesus will come back to you in the same way that you have seen him go. And we know from the rest of the scriptures the way that he will return to us. We know that he will come on clouds descending. He will come with all the saints who have preceded us, all of those who have died in the Lord. He will go in the same way that he has come. We will see him in the same way with all the great cloud of witnesses. And that reminder that the dead in Christ have not been lost, but instead are safe with Jesus. What a great picture. So they stand and stare at Jesus as he disappears from their sight, as he is there taken away in the cloud. And they stare seeing this and not completely understanding when they have angelic messengers who come and appear. And the angelic messengers come, and they, they come in a different way than these angelic messengers typically do. Right? When you see other angelic messengers in the Bible, the people fall down as if they're dead, and it's sometimes accompanied by a flash of light, some of these other things. But these, these angels see, seem to come and just stand next to them and start gazing into the sky with them. And they say to the men, men of Jerusalem, why do you stare gazing intently into the sky? And then those words, this same Jesus whom you have seen... This same Jesus, right? The emphasis, this same Jesus, not a different one. He's not going to come back in some kind of a different form. It's this same Jesus, the one who's been taken up from you up into heaven. He will return in the same way that you have seen him go. He wants to make sure they know that this last thing that they've witnessed is really important. This last thing that they've witnessed is the last moment that they will see Jesus before he returns. And now they're about to get to tell. They're about to get to tell other people all the stuff that they've seen. They're going to be witnesses. They're going to give witness. They're going to speak of the things that they've seen. They're going to be sent out. And remember the words are going to be sent out. We know when we think of a sent people and we think of ones being sent out like as missionaries and that kind of thing, we right away, we right away jump to the ends of the earth. Right? And they're going to go to the ends of the earth and that's where they're going to be. We think of somebody like Thomas. right? The one who we who we talked about a couple weeks ago and the doubt that he had and the ways that Jesus let him touch him. We think about Thomas, which tradition tells us went to the ends of the known earth because he was martyred. He died for the testimony of Jesus in India. And remember, he didn't just save up and buy a plane ticket and fly over there. It means he went most of the way on foot, all the way to India to declare what Jesus had done. He went to the ends of the earth but that's not all that God sends his people to do. And not all of them went that far. 
What he says is, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it's kind of concentric circles. You're my witnesses in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was the city in which they were currently standing, the city in which they were living. That's where they were called to be witnesses. In Jerusalem, among a people that they knew because the people were just like them. It was probably no problem for him to hear that. Oh, be witnesses in Jerusalem, sure. We'll just tell everybody what's happened. After all, the resurrection appearances have happened. The ground is fertile. We know these people. They're just like us. But not just Jerusalem. I want you to go to Judea as well. And Jerusalem, is, or Judea, excuse me, is the, the situation, the state, the, the environment right around Jerusalem. If you look at the map, you see where it says Bethlehem, Judea, Jerusalem, Jericho. That's all the region of Judea. Those are people who are like them just not city-goers. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You'll be my witnesses in Judea. You'll be my witnesses in Samaria. And now Samaria is a different story. In Samaria, when he said that, you should probably have heard the record scratch. Right? Hang on a second. Samaria? Right? Because the Jews and the Samaritans don't associate with each other. The Jews and the Samaritans are very different. In fact, they hate one another. But what does Jesus say? I'm sending you to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to Samaria, to a people who are different than you. We're hearing the words of John chapter 3, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world and all the people in it that God wants even those who are by geopolitical bounds enemies to be friends, in fact, brothers and sisters in the gospel. I'm sending you out to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that by this declaration, by this witnessing, the apostles were going to share what they had seen. They were going to share this for others. They were going to witness to the things that they had seen, and they were going to do it through their ministry. But not only that, they were going to do it through the testimony of Jesus. They were going to speak of Jesus to the people around. And as they did, their testimony would be recorded for us. In fact, it's because they gave their testimony that we have these words in the Scriptures we have their eyewitness accounts. In fact, maybe, maybe you don't know this, maybe you do. The, the book of Acts was written by a man named Luke, the one who also wrote the gospel that bears his name. Luke and Acts are kind of volumes one and volume two, volume one and two. And as he writes these, he's writing them for a man named Theophilus. But what's interesting is that Luke himself was not an eyewitness. You see, Luke tells us that he interviewed those who were eyewitnesses and then drew up an orderly account for Theophilus and for all who would read this book. You see, what God the Holy Spirit did is he used the disciples to tell their story to people like Luke so that Luke could tell it to Theophilus, so that Theophilus could tell it to us. You see, it's just like the dominoes that I used for the little kids. That God uses this testimony of what he has done to bring others to faith. You see, we understand and we know because they saw and they spoke. They saw something and they told others about it. You probably know this phrase, right? It's used by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. I think it was actually originated by the New York Police Department. It's if you see something, say something. Right? And the idea is that if we all keep our eyes open, if we all kind of are deputized to look for things that are weird, and if we see something that is out of the ordinary and we tell somebody about it, 
then surely we will all be safer, right? Because somebody clearly sees something. If you see something, say something. Well, that's actually what the scriptures tell us is the best way for the word of Jesus Christ to be told. For those who have seen something to then say something. You see, God intends for us to behave the same way. For us to open up our eyes to see what God is doing around us, to see what God is doing in our midst, to see all around us the effects, the effects of the work of Jesus. And when we do, what do we see? In part, we see that the church is doing well with some things, but maybe not as well with others. And this isn't going to be a browbeating moment. I'm not going to end this sermon by, by beating you down and saying the church has failed in all of these things. No, but what I am going to do is to tell you that this challenge still exists for us. That God is still calling us out as his people who have experienced what he has done and are willing to answer that question. What do you see? And where do you see God at work? You see, the disciples were called to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They had to keep their eyes open to what God was calling them to and the situations in which they were called to minister and to speak. And he's still calling us to keep our eyes open, to see the situation around us, and to understand that God wants us to speak into it. Right? One of the hardest parts for us in Hamilton County is when we think of, when we as Christians think of, of mission and we think of spreading the word of Jesus, we oftentimes think about service. But in reality, most of us, most of us, our neighbors, don't need our service. Everybody needs a hand from time to time when you're raking your lawn or you're taking down a tree or you're doing something like that. But it, by and large, your neighbor, your neighbor is just as well off as you are. They don't need your service but they do need your testimony. They do need to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. And now that starts to make you nervous, right? Because everyone has those fears of cold calling, right? Is he gonna stand up there and tell us to go knock on doors this afternoon? No, because I don't think that's actually the best way that the scriptures, I don't think that's actually the best way that the testimony of Jesus Christ is spread and I don't think that's the clearest testimony of the scriptures. In fact, what the scriptures tell us is that it's spoken into a relationship of love. It's when we are willing to open our eyes to what God is doing, the people that are the closest to us. When we keep our eyes open to what God is doing with the people who are nearest to us and being willing there to testify to what Jesus is doing. You know, God is opening doors all around you. And I'll admit, right, even though this is my job as a pastor, that I, I miss those opportunities too. And right? the times that I've gone home and I've, God, you opened up that door for me and I totally missed it, right? You, you had someone come up to me and, and explain to me a situation. This has just happened to me. Explain the situation about how he was concerned because his wife had to go in for surgery and I didn't engage that conversation because I was too concerned with what I was going to make for dinner. I was too concerned with what, what the lineup would be for my third and fourth grade baseball team. And I go home and I confess before God that I failed in that opportunity but I know his mercy and I hear his forgiveness and I know that that's part of the story that I have to tell. The testimony that I can give to what Jesus Christ has done for me is that he forgives me of my sins so that I can share with others that I'm not perfect, that I can share with others that God is at work in my life. There are times when I fail in that, but there are times when I do it right. And I'm guessing you're a lot like me 
And if you're worried about what to say, I want to give you two phrases that I use pretty frequently. Again, I'm talking about outside the walls of the church. When someone comes up to me with a situation that's difficult or challenging, I'll say to them, I don't, I don't know if you're a praying person, but I am. So it'd be okay if I pray to my God about this. And I've never once had somebody say to me, no, I don't want anything to do with that. I have had people say something like this. You know, that's not really for me, but at this point, what can it hurt? Which I usually follow up by saying, in fact, I'll tell you what, I think it'll help immensely. What do you want me to pray for? The other thing is that being a pastor, people will come up to me quite a bit when they find out that I'm a pastor and they have some grievance against the church that they want to air. And I told you, I don't think the church is doing everything perfectly. But even in the midst of that, you know what I'll say to him? I'll say to him, is it okay if I tell you what I believe about that? And then I'll say something like this again, in that particular one where they tell me about the grievance against the church, I'll say, you know what I believe? Is I believe that the church is full of sinful people, people who make mistakes, who mess up, and I'm really sorry that you were on the receiving end of that. But I don't want that to be a reflection of who my God is. Instead, what I want you to know about my God is that my God receives people who are sinful, who do the wrong thing, and that he loves and forgives. I've said that to a lot of different people, and I've never, in that regard, had somebody say to me, I can't believe you would ever. Instead, they go, wow, you admit that things aren't perfect in the church? Yeah. Because our testimony isn't that the church is perfect. Our testimony is that Jesus is perfect. When we speak of Jesus and of what Jesus is doing in our midst, we speak of what we have witnessed Jesus doing and the ways that he forgives and the ways that he loves. We witness to what Jesus is and who Jesus is. We witness to what Jesus continues to do as he calls people into that love and into that forgiveness. We tell because we have seen. It's not always easy, but we can do it. And as we do, the gospel spreads. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The word of Jesus Christ is told. So I want to encourage you, first of all, you only had one minute to tell the cool thing that you saw before. So finish that conversation. Get to know somebody a little bit better. The second thing, keep your eyes open to see what God is doing around you. And when you see something, say something. Tell what you saw. For the glory of Jesus Christ, amen.